Hey, this is Richie Fure from Buffalo Springfield, Poco, and the Souther Hillman Fure Band, and you're listening to Follow Your Dreams with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream, and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners in 200 countries. My guest today is the great Timothy B. Schmidt, a truly special musician, singer, songwriter, and fellow bassist. He was a member of both Poco and the Eagles and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of the Eagles. With Poco, he appeared on nine of their studio albums and two live albums, and he composed a number of songs. And in 1977, he joined the Eagles. He co-wrote and sang lead on one of their biggest hits, I Can't Tell You Why. He's had an incredible career as a solo artist and as a session musician with a host of artists, including Crosby, Stills & Nash, Bob Seger, and Boz Skaggs. And he's toured with Toto, Jimmy Buffett, and Ringo, to name a few. His new album is called Day by Day, and it has guests that include Jackson Brown, Lindsey Buckingham, and John Fogarty. We're going to try and talk with him about all of this, if we can get it all in. And in the middle of this episode, as I do with all my musician guests, Timothy and I are going to do a song fest where we're going to play a little bit of some of his hits and we're going to talk about them and you'll get the backstory. And nobody else does this in podcasts. And you also know that I feature a song of mine in every episode underneath the introduction and at the end. And I always try to make that song relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, I've chosen the song My Love from my latest album, Bobby M and the Paisley Parade. I chose this song because it's a country rock love song, the kind of song that Timothy has made famous. So Timothy B. Schmidt, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. Hey, thanks for having me. You're one of my heroes, so I wanted to have you on the show as soon as I heard that we might be able to do this. And you're also a fellow bassist, so I thought, let's have some fun. Let's start out this episode and do something a little different. We all have favorites, I'm sure, you know, as each instrument. And I have my favorites on the bass, people that inspired me. I'm sure you have people that inspired you. So let's just name a few and uh, why they inspired you. You want to go first? Sure. I think number one is James Jamerson. Motown. You know, he he was a monster player. He was just great. He knew exactly what to do. And uh, he knew exactly, he could really embellish, but he could play really simple too. Like, for instance, on My Girl, the Temptations song. Right. It's incredibly simple, but it's perfect. I've got sunshine 
then you know you could get into it. he played on so many things and did so much stuff he was not just a simple player but he always played what was just right yeah and you know two things i wanted to mention first of all it's amazing to me that they got the sounds that they did out of that basement because that's all it was the basement well he was recorded direct but i'm saying in general yeah, yeah, in general, right. The sounds that they got out of Motown studio it wasn't really a studio; it was a basement in a house. Yeah, well, there, a lot of it is leakage, and you know, people isolate everything now. You know, so it really worked. Yeah, you're right about that. And also, I read that he never changed his strings. Mm -hmm. Okay, he kept the strings on forever. I also heard he played with one finger, <laughs> right here. So go figure. Yeah, go figure. I, I'm with him, though, on the ch uh, not changing strings. They stay on my instruments until they break. Good for you. All right, so I'm going to name one. I came of age musically in the 60s, and it was really part of the British invasion thing that drove me. And my favorite guy of all time, my inspiration was Jack Bruce from Cream. <laughs> Just an amazing bass player, wouldn't you agree? I would. He had the jam factor, you know. He could uh -huh. uh, sort of freeform it, which I've I've always been. I'm not a great improviser, so I was always pretty envious of uh, people who could do that. Well, he drove that band along with Clapton, and you know, kind of played a lead bass, if you will. So yes, I agree with what he you said. Kind of had to with it being a trio, I think. Yep. Okay, who's your next one? Paul McCartney. Yep. How could you not? You know, I mean, he he was really uh, inspiration. Another guy who knew exactly what to play and then some because his his bass parts weren't overdone, but they were talking about him like he's no longer with us. His bass playing is it's just just the best because he he could somehow sort of fit in melodic patterns along with just being the solid bottom bass, you know. totally agree with you he, he remarkable and you know so my number two guy again same error that i was talking about before Jim fielder who was the bass player in blood sweat and tears Oh, yeah. And he was so tasteful in everything that he did and drove that band. And, you know, of course, they were one of the first bands that had horns in there. So it was kind of like a jazz rock type of thing. But Jim Fielder was a terrific bass player, in my opinion. I didn't think about him, but you're absolutely right. He was really great. Yeah. There's a lot of great players. Oh, you bet. All right, do one more. Who who else you got on your list? I would do um I would do Duck Dunn.
Donald Duck done. Yeah, he he was, you know, I just, again, he's one of those guys who just knew what to do. And he did it well. Couldn't agree more with you. I'm going to go off in a little bit different direction. One of the guys that, again, I loved at the time was the bass player for Vanilla Fudge, mm. Tim Bogert. Coco actually was on a, a, a few shows with them, kind really? of a mismatch, but uh, that's when I met him and watched him from the side of the stage. Yeah, he was great. There's a lot of great players. He, he was one, you're right. All right. The one guy that you can't name because he's just from another planet is Jaco Pastorius. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah, he's um he was off the scale. That's right. Uh, it, was, it was like a whole, his own genre, you know? Exactly right. Okay, listen, this was fun. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of our discussion here. And I wanted to tell you, I was going to do something for you here, because for the people that don't know, in both Poco and in the Eagles, you followed Randy Miser as the bass player. And I said to myself when we were setting up this interview, wait a minute. Randy Meisner says that he's going to be on this podcast, but he's going to follow you on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> For a change, huh? <laughs> For a change, exactly. So how did that happen? Tell us about your experience and how did you happen to follow him in Poco and in the Eagles? Well, um, I'll try to make this short. I had an invitation through a, through a mutual friend of, of uh, Richie and some of the Springfield. I had an invitation to go play some music and virtually audition for this new band, which was going to be called Pogo, later Poco. And I, I, went, I went to Richie's house and played and sang. And they, they said they, want, they seemed to really like what, they, what I was doing. And they said, we want you to come over the day after tomorrow because we're going to try somebody else tomorrow. And then I want you to come the next, we want you to come the day after. So I waited that day. And it turns out they they auditioned Randy, Randy Meisner, that's that following day. And the, I think it was a combination of a few things why they actually picked him. I I had I was very un, unstable with my uh selective service status, you know, and it was Vietnam time and all that. And uh, so I was uh, they didn't know whether if I was going to be like, you know, joining the band and then having to leave or not. And and also, as I recall, Rusty Young and George Grantham, who used to be in a band in Denver together, knew Randy. They were friends with him in the Denver area. So there was a couple of things against me. And they, they ended up taking uh, Randy as the bass player. And I... It was the end of the summer of I think '68, and I I I went back to home to Sacramento with my tail between my legs, feeling that I had 
blown my only chance to do what I really wanted to do on some kind of larger level. And then um, approximately eight, nine months later, I got a call from the, this same mutual friend of Richie's and saying, Randy's, you know, they've started recording and everything. They're almost done, but Randy's, he's quitting already. But uh, later on, they called me back and, I, and uh, I, I joined Poco and I was very happy. Didn't want to upset the, the boat at all. You know, I didn't want to rock the boat at all. Wanted to make sure this thing stuck. And it did stick for seven, eight years. Poco was a, it was a great band. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a travesty in a sense that you guys are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Poco was a, was a really great live band, but we never had like a super hit record or two. We had mild hits. And I, I think that's, the difference uh i mean you can have you can be incredibly talented or have a bunch of great talented people or, or together but without like the the great great radio crafted song it it, it didn't it, it it's not gonna you're not gonna do it not that poco didn't have good songs but you know later on when when we first heard the eagles on the radio when we were going to play at some little college thing or something I, I got to thinking about it and I was thinking, you know, first of all, like, how come this isn't happening for us? Well, the song I was hearing, the songs that I was hearing from the Eagles were, they were, they were more suited. They were in some ways better songs for, for radio at the time. That's why I believe the Eagles are still, are, are still, still really happening. It's, it's all because of the songs. Period. Well, great songs for sure. And uh, uh, Richie Fiore gave me the same exact you know story. Just said that you guys just didn't have that one big hit that you were looking for to kind of blast through. Although you had a song, let's play it right now. Underneath us, keep on trying, which I guess was kind of like the biggest hit at that time that Poco had. So full of doubt, you just can't let it be. But I know if you keep on coming back for more, then I keep on trying. I keep on trying. And I've been drinking now. Tell us about that. Well, I, I'm not sure. I think it just mid-charted or something. I'm not really sure, but but it was better than than nothing. And um, uh, I think we had a couple <laughs> other things that sort of reached the top hundred, but didn't didn't go any higher. Uh, I don't know. It's a song I wrote, and I presented it to the band. We tried to use it. We tried to play it with a full band. It didn't work. And I I I, I think I said let's let's do this. You know almost acapella there's just an acoustic guitar behind it and uh that one seemed to work and again though it wasn't wasn't a huge hit but it it was a song that uh kind of came easier than other songs for me to write which is really nice because <laughs> sometimes it's a big struggle well listen it did chart and you know that whether or not the radio back then picked up a song or not it was serendipitous to some extent. You just didn't know what was going to be a hit and what wasn't going to be a hit. But Poco was a great band, okay? 
I had all the albums. It was a great band. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller, your host. It's finally spring here in the United States. So I'm playing my song, Spring Dance, underneath this message. Spring is a time for renewal and growth. And I've just begun the third year of this podcast. It's been quite a ride so far. Over 170 episodes, more than 800,000 downloads, ranked in the top 1% of all podcasts with listeners in 200 countries. My guests have included famous musicians, actors, directors, broadcasters, corporate CEOs, and others. My goal with each is to have fun and entertain you, the audience. And of course, to inspire you to follow and succeed at your dream. As a professional musician, with a dozen highly acclaimed albums and millions of video views and streams, I infuse my music into each episode. And the podcast has allowed me to introduce my music to a worldwide audience. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast so you get each episode when it airs. And also, please sign up for our weekly emails, which keep you up to date on everything. The links are in the show notes to each episode. And also, please check out our website at followyourdreampodcast.com. I want to thank you all for listening and keep on rocking. So let's talk about the transition. Okay, the same thing. Meisner gets into the Eagles, and you follow him. So tell us that story. Randy now joins the Eagles, the, the new band, the Eagles, and they start having pretty much instant success. They might argue with that statement, but you know, it was it 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 happened for them pretty pretty fast. And he did, he did, went right up through, um, I think it was six albums. Six albums, I think, were uh, right up through Hotel California. And then he was gone. And, and uh, I got a call from, well, the great songwriter, a friend of mine, J.D. Souther, used to live across the street from me, kind of up on Beachwood under the Hollywood sign. And... Um, I was over at his house one day as I was a lot. He was literally across the street. And he said, I, I need to tell you something, uh, but you can't, you can't talk about it yet. And he said, you know, he said, Randy's quitting and they're taught there's, I think you're going to get a phone call. And I just went like, wow, that, that would be like, like this close to perfect, you know? <laughs> and um, I did get the call one morning from, from Glenn and, and he said, you know, we want you to, we, we want you to be in the band. And I, that was before I even played a note with them. So I, I just kind of said, you know, when, where they said, you have to keep a lid on it for a little while because, and then I went on tour with Poco and I couldn't tell them. I finally, I finally said to, to the Eagles guys, I got to tell these guys, I can't pretend like I'm going to keep going on like this. Anyway, that's how that happened. 
So there was a period where there was a transition, I guess, is what you're saying. Did they just have you on the list? Was it just a coincidence that you were kind of the next call after uh, Randy leaves? Um, somewhat. I, I think I said we hadn't played a note together. Don and Glenn and I played on a track for a, on a Linda Ronstadt album. It was the James Taylor song. And so we we had played on that level. So they had had a little. So they knew you. They oh yeah I knew them and Poco opened up shows for the Eagles. It oh, was like it was a little difficult you know emotionally at the time. But um, also I ran into Irving, uh, Irving Azoff, the, our, our manager, uh, when I was still in Poco, and I had a little talk with him. And I I actually asked because I was getting disenchanted with Poco. It seemed we seemed to be flatlining. We weren't play, we weren't playing venues as big as we were. The radio thing wasn't happening, and I I asked him to keep his eye out. I even asked him if you know if you know if there's any any possibility of doing something with Steely Dan because I had sung sung a bunch with them uh, on their records, and uh, and I think he he had that he kept that in mind when when Randy quit, and he's the one that actually suggested me to them to the rest of the guys. So what was the reaction with the guys in Poco? Were they upset? Did they wish you well? How did that go? I made a point to not let management do it because I had been involved in another situation where a member of a band didn't show up and let management say that he's quitting, you know, and I didn't like that. I thought that was not the way to do it. So I actually drove one day called each of the other guys, there's just three others at the time, and said, I'm going to come over, I want to talk to you. And I told everybody individually what I was doing, thanked them for my time with them. And uh, I, I, I knew deep inside, without saying it to them, I'm sure that any one of them would have jumped at the chance as well. So they were, they, they, they got it, you know. You did the right thing. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and I'm sure they knew I was doing the right thing, you know. Like, why pass up a chance like that? Yeah, you can't. All right, so now you're in the Eagles, and we're going to play your big song with them, I Can't Tell You Why. Tell me a little bit about that song and about your recollections of that time with the Eagles. Well, when I um, when I first started getting together with Don and Glenn for what would become my first Eagles album, they wanted to hear what I had because uh, they wanted me to sing at least one lead. The new guy, they wanted the new guy to sing it at one. But we needed like a really great avenue. We needed a great song. And um, so I played them, I don't remember what, I played them a few songs and, and, a, and a couple of pieces of songs. And I can't tell you why at the time was a piece of a song. And they really, they really lit up when they heard that. 
and they said we can we can all finish this one together this will be good and i was really happy that it wasn't a country rock song i was glad that it was more r&b flavored because i um i just you know i'm a fan of r&b i i i i you know even though my years before when i started playing my instruments for the first time with my band we were like playing surf music but i was listening to motown all the time on the radio every time i got in the car okay so anyway we we finished that song and it it and and uh we it took us a, a year year and a half to to finish that long run album um obviously we weren't at it the whole time but it, it was just it was it was it was time consuming and uh, so we did a lot of traveling to Florida to to record and then come back and try and write and arrange stuff. And and it was um, it was great. I was I was loving it, by the way, it was the first lead vocal to, to be completed on that record on the, the long run. album. Not that that means anything, but it's just it just is, you know. Oh, you worked on it then. I read somewhere, and tell me if this is true, a little tidbit that, you know, although the Eagles have that whole Southern California association, you were actually the only one in the band that was from Southern California. Is that right? I was not from Southern. I was, I was, wasn't born in Southern California, I, but I'm, but I was born in Oakland, like Central California, the Bay Area. And uh -huh. I did most of my schooling uh, in the Sacramento area. So I'm, I, yeah, I was the only one from California. Okay. I kind of like that one when I heard it. So let's go up to the present day. You've got this new album out, Day by Day, and we're playing Where We Belong Right Now. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, you've had such a, a broad career as a solo artist and then doing all that work as a studio musician. What drives you still? Is the solo stuff something you really have a passion for at this point? Well, I have the best of both worlds. So, I mean, I, I'm in this like band that seems to be bigger than life these days because we're, we're still doing sold out concerts and even though the members have changed, we've we've kept it really tight, and uh, uh, it's it that's all really working out. But it's only creative in our performance itself because I'm sure we're not going to be doing any more recording as the Eagles. I I mean the last album we did was what 2007. It was the Long Run Out of Eden. We went we went out to promote that for a couple of years, on and off for a couple of years. And uh, we were playing, I think, seven songs off the new album. Today, we don't play any of them. People want to hear the other stuff. The old stuff, huh? They do. And um, so I would call that my great, fantastic job, is being uh -huh. part of the Eagles. But why do you say that they won't record again another album? What, what's the reason? They, meaning me too. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. That's all. 
Is it because Glenn is no longer with you? Is it is no, there another reason? I don't know if it would have happened if Glenn was still around. I, I, I just don't know. I mean, maybe because of what I just told you, that people aren't, aren't that interested in new stuff. I mean, it's not that nobody's interested at all. It's just that, you know, they really want to hear one of these nights, you know, and take it to the limit. That's what they're there for. That's my take on it. My solo stuff is is a great creative outlet for me. It's just me. I'm the boss. I don't have to run it by anybody. I don't have to. I can do whatever I want. I can take my time. I can I can uh, stretch out however I want, and uh, it's fun. Being one of the Eagles allows me this luxury because my albums, you know, relative to Eagles, sell like you know almost nothing. And I don't really do it. I, I, it'd be great if I got lucky and Pete and one of my one of my solo albums really hit. But you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not expecting that. I I do it purely for my own sanity and and self. Uh, my feeling of self worth. I, I love to do it. I love to do it. It's the process I like, uh, even though it drives me crazy sometimes. Uh, sometimes. I mean, I've been in in here in the studio working on one line for two and three days sometimes. So it's it's very um, satisfying for me. Uh, it's it's my creative outlet, and uh, it keeps me sane. It keeps me happy. Got the best of both worlds, okay? You've got the big, big act with the Eagles, and you guys are playing stadiums and all over the place, and yet you can do all your creative stuff, as you just said, as a solo act. It's a great idea. Yeah. Good for you. Okay, we have been talking here with Timothy B. Schmidt, one of the great, great artists of this rock era. I'm so happy that you have been on the podcast. I want to wish you continued success in all of your endeavors, okay? And remember, you're on before Randy Meisner on this podcast. <laughs> all right. Say hi to Randy. I will do that. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you. Take care. And now we're going to uh, listen to that song that I started out the podcast with. It's my song called My Love. I want to thank you for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com. Warmth of your heart, so many goodbyes. Your laugh, your cry, your spirit, your soul. I see it all in colors. Stars that shine up above Shine for you, my
stars that shine up above shine for you my love when we first met when we held hands hearts beat as one I understand you have been sent from heaven above I love you oh so much my love I love you oh so much my love I love you oh so much my love